Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I promise you will be blown away by today's guest. Jordan Zimmerman recently graduated from Ohio University with a bachelor's degree in education policy. Her passion is to reform the educational system, particularly special education. Diagnosed with autism early in life, Jordan is also non-speaking. She uses a speech-generating device to communicate, a device she did not acquire until she was 18 years old. Imagine trying to complete your primary and secondary education without the ability to speak. Yet, Jordan persevered and did not let a seemingly insurmountable challenge stop her from achieving her goals. Jordan, I am so glad you are here with us today. Many people listening to this podcast have never communicated with someone using a speech-generating device. Before we dive into your story, can you start by explaining why you need your device and how it works? I am glad to be here too. Thanks for having me, Emily. I would be happy to share more with you. I am autistic, so I use my device, which is an iPad with a communication application, to speak. The specific apps I use are Proloquo for text and Proloquo to go. While I have some pre programmed phrases, I type many things out letter by letter to formulate words and sentences. I can say some limited words, but it's often very practiced phrases or repeating what someone said. When I speak with my mouth it isn't just my voice box in my mouth. First, I have to think of a word and figure out if I even know what that word means. Then I have to figure out how to pronounce that word. Next I have to modulate and lastly I actually have to speak and make sentences. I think you do all of these things too, but because my brain moves much faster than my mouth, I have to constantly fight myself to do them and often my body just won't. Wow, that's incredible and so neat to have you talk us through that. I'm sure it must be tiring at times too. So as I mentioned earlier, Jordan, you didn't receive your device until you were 18 years old. That must have been an incredibly poignant moment. What was that day like for you? It was very freeing. I had been struggling for years, and my mom was going to tour a farm day rehabilitation program later that day. However, we were also in a legal dispute with my school district, so an attorney was coming to our house that morning to plan for the upcoming meeting. After she came and they talked, I recall her asking if there was a way she could communicate with me. My mom showed her my iPad that had a communication application, but explained that I had not reliably used it. They both sat on the couch with me and prompted me to touch some of the pre-programmed phrases. Eventually, I just started doing it myself. I sat there for over two hours that day, touching pictures and letters to make words. That had to be so incredibly freeing and The first time you could really fully, entirely express yourself, that just had to be incredible. So Jordan, you shared with me that you overcame a lot of challenges in school, one being that you felt, as you said, 
tremendously underestimated. Talk us through what school was like for you. I grew up in a small town where the school district has a lot of resources. As many families do, my parents moved here for the schools. My brother excelled in our district, and for my first couple years, I did too. When a student is young, schools and communities are often very good at inclusion. But as I got older, I was separated more and more. Middle school was very challenging, and my district sent me to another school for students with disabilities. This one placement started a cycle of tossing me between the public school and separate schools for autistic students. But going back to the feeling of being underestimated, I held on to that until I graduated. Maybe it's good, because it really fueled my passion for the future, but at the time it was difficult. School was deeply traumatic, but it also served as a cure to my trauma. I wanted to be there, and I had a need to be there, even though I was aware of the inequalities that existed. Even in high school, I was still being taught how to tell time, add very basic equations, organize name cards alphabetically, and point to coins. Because I couldn't communicate that I knew how to do all of these things, we did them in repeat trials, and the expectations for my future were very low. Even after I started communicating with my iPad, there was this notion from my teachers that it wasn't possible. This idea that I wasn't that capable. That's hard to hear. My goodness. It speaks to your bravery, Jordan, and your courage and your persistence for it to be a traumatic experience as you describe it, but yet you kept showing up and use that to fuel you. It's incredible. Given your personal experiences, Jordan, you are deeply passionate about reforming special education. What specifically do you believe needs to change? I don't believe special education is working as it is. If we break the term down, special means separate, so we are left with this idea of separating students who need support and services. However, there is no single solution that works for everyone, and we know all students can benefit from individualized guidance. So if we do a little reframing, we could have individualized education. That's just one big idea I have. There's a lot more when it comes to testing, restraint and seclusion, and inclusive education. I agree that we should have more individualized education across the board. That really every child is special and there shouldn't be this separation. We should meet each child where they are. It's like using the term special needs. We all have special needs. I agree. And that's a term that's so often used. And you even help me to change that phrasing to people with disabilities. So do you find that a lot of folks in the special needs or people with disabilities community have strong feelings about the terminology that's used? There was a campaign a few years back called Say the Word, meaning say disabled. Disability is what gets us supports and services. It's who we are. It's the word and the law. We are also proud of being who we are. I love that. I love that you embrace exactly who you are and you help others have that confidence in who they are as well. That's really remarkable, Jordan. So you mentioned a minute ago that you have other ideas for reforming special education. 
What are those? A big issue is restraint and seclusion. When I was in school, I was restrained on a daily basis for exhibiting behaviors that I used to communicate. Students should not be going to school to undergo trauma, so we need to reform the idea of how the education system looks at compliance. Wow. You have gone through a lot. So we've been talking a lot about COVID-19 on the Mothers of Misfits podcast because it's been impacting every family, every parent, every child, and particularly in regards to their school experience. School this year looks really different for a lot of kids. So how is COVID-19 impacting young people with disabilities, especially as we think about their access to support? It's really impacting individuals with disabilities across the board. Specifically talking about education, a lot of students with disabilities are not getting access to the services they need. Any student who receives special education services is entitled to a free and appropriate public education. Some of those services may include speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, among others. A lot of these require the therapist to guide the student with touch, and that doesn't work well over video. Some kids don't even have access to internet. So in those cases, it's an immediate denial of their educational rights. There are many students who don't receive the appropriate services when we are not in the midst of a pandemic, but now schools are trying to persuade students and parents not to receive services at all. It's very concerning. I agree. So what do we do? What should parents do if that's what they're experiencing right now? A pressure to give up some of the services that they're entitled to receive. This is new for everyone, but there are a lot of lawsuits formulating. If a student is not receiving services as outlined in a student's individualized education plan, I would encourage the family to get in touch with an advocate or attorney. Each state has a protection and advocacy agency that they can start with. That's very helpful advice. So speaking of helpful advice, For the parents listening who have a child diagnosed with autism, what advice do you give them? Presume competence. Talk to your child like you would any other child. Ask them what they need and how they are going to change the world. I love that. The episode actually that just aired last week was with Zach Mercurio, and it's all about helping your kids know how much they matter. And the formula for doing that is to tell our kids how we notice them today and how they make a difference today. And I feel like your advice for those families is really similar. What is wonderful about your child right now in this moment and point that out for them every day? You do a lot of speaking and writing to promote awareness and advocate for people with disabilities. Jordan, what is your core message to the world? I would say the heart of my message is that everyone has language. The problem is that when others don't give us access to devices or don't acknowledge our words, we may not realize the power of them. Hmm, So true. How do we expand our awareness of the fact that everyone has language. I mean, how how can we do better at understanding that 
as a society. I think we are aware, but I don't think our society accepts it. There is a big difference between being aware of weeds and accepting that they grow in your lawn. Of course people are not weeds, but that was the example that came to my mind. So if we want to move from awareness to acceptance, what does that look like? We need to be willing to pause and take time to listen to all voices. Language is amazing. I may type slowly, but if someone pauses to talk to me, we can have a beautiful conversation. It's the same with people who don't speak English. If we pause and take the time to learn with them, we can use Google Translate and have shared together in a powerful moment. Language is love. Wow, Jordan. That's amazing. You're right. Beautiful conversations. And it's loving because you take the time to listen to another person, right? You actually take the time to appreciate what that other person has to say and slow down and have those beautiful conversations. Ugh, that almost makes me teary-eyed just hearing you say that. And I'm also thinking acceptance ties back to my heart behind this podcast, which is to reclaim the word misfit and to recognize that we're all misfits. There is no fit in. We all have our unique talents, gifts, capabilities, passions, and struggles. We all have that unique to ourselves. When we not only realize that, but embrace that, we can really honor and love one another. So as a recent graduate with a big passion for reforming education, I am certain you will continue to make a significant and positive impact on society. Tell us, what are your plans for the future? That's a big question, but in the immediate future, I am starting a Master's of Education program at Boston College. After that, we'll see what happens. I am committed to making a difference in the world of education, as I believe that is connected to almost every other inequality in our world. Wow, that's very exciting. That's going to be a fun new adventure. They're lucky to have you there. If listeners want to learn more about you and your work, how can they do that? They can visit my website at jordanzimmerman.com or follow me on Twitter at jordanbzim. Awesome. Well, Jordan, I have no doubt, as I've said before, that you will do great things, particularly on behalf of people with disabilities. You are truly an inspiration to us all. Thank you for this beautiful conversation that we're having today. And thank you for so bravely coming on and sharing your story with all of us. Thank you, Emily. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.